0: hello everyone and welcome to the ultimate sports mashup where we discuss insane sports matchups that would only happen in our wildest dreams we each select one of the very best sports teams in history and match them against each other to see who would come out on top from the pros to the underclassmen football basketball and everything in between with a totally even playing field before us and our imaginations to help us guide our respective claims who do you think would be the ultimate champion?
1: Gun formation. Snap to Rogers. Jackson stays in the block. Rogers throws oh in the middle. Oh my God! And a beautiful
0: spiral over the middle. On uh, second down, Aikman looking. All kinds of time. Oh. Touchdown oh. to Michael Irvin with protection. Wide open is Donald and Driver, and he pitches it all, gets away, and. And welcome to the show, everybody. My name is Jay, and I've got Cam
1: sitting across from me. How are you doing today, Cam? Doing pretty good. Yeah. Good to be here, back in the uh, back in the lab, man.
0: Yeah, back in the saddle for episode three. How are you feeling about things so far?
1: I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, it's uh, not every day I get to choose a team like the Packers, who Mm -hmm. uh, I don't particularly like or Mm -hmm. enjoy, but uh, living in Wisconsin for the last however many years, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's kind of grown on me. So I think this is an awesome matchup for us to kind of get into. Two um, historic teams who have been around a long time, and we get to cover two of their greatest teams in their history.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting, I think, just in general, before we get started today, just the process of this, because we started with our favorite teams, and then we went into the NBA, picked some of our favorite players. And now today... I didn't know anything about the now 90s Cowboys, except that they were good before today. You know, I knew the names, you know, but I haven't I've never watched any of that, you know, and so it's going to be interesting as we continue. Obviously, we're going to be talking about teams we've never heard of. And then we are going to be talking about teams that we actively dislike at some point, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And for me, it is this week. And I, I don't want to say I dislike the Packers. But yeah, I mean, living in Wisconsin, if you live in Wisconsin, guys, you know that it's Green Bay all day and nothing else matters. And, you know, I'm, I'm here to, to vouch for Green Bay in this instinct or for this example for the 2010 Green Bay Packers. But like Jay said, going over the 90s Cowboys, we knew Irvin, we knew Emmitt Smith, we knew Troy Aikman. Yep. I bet you guys didn't know that Dallas had one of the best defensive uh, defensive units in the league mm-hmm. um but we're gonna get into that today
0: yeah so a lot to go over with these two teams we're returning to football after our basketball stint last time and we're gonna make sure to try to keep it fresh for you guys i think you know a little preview for next week i know we're looking to some basketball for next week so if you're an nba fan hold on there we're we're, we're getting there yeah so, we're
1: gonna circle around back
0: yeah so we're today we are talking about the 1992 dallas cowboys going up against the 2010 Green Bay Packers so we picked this matchup obviously Green Bay Packers Dallas Cowboys one of the greatest rivalries in the NFC really one of the greatest out of division rivalries there you go yep and so we knew we wanted to pick two of the best teams and so we wanted to pick two of the best quarterbacks for each of these teams so obviously my mind went to Troy Aikman and then we wanted to pick Aaron Rodgers. Only Super Bowl winning year. There's a lot of great MVP seasons we could have picked for Rodgers, but something about that sixth seeded playoff run is is really special to Green Bay fans. So that's why we went with with that there.
1: And we'll get into, or I will get into, uh, what made this 2010 Green Bay Packers team so special and what made this season so special. You know, But before all that, we're going to go over the rosters, the coaches, kind of the story of the team. Uh, then we'll go into our why. Um, you know, our respective teams would win. And then, like Jay said, stay tuned to the end of the show. You find out a little bit more about us and what our next episode will
0: be. So let's get into today's episode. Green 18! Green 19! So the first thing I wanted to discuss, and I think this is going to be important, especially for rivalries like this, you know, give some context for these two teams going up against each other. So we have an all time series record between these two. We have the Packers taking the lead 16 to 13. And honestly, you know, I know that's what 29 games I felt like it should be a lot more
1: yeah yeah when I looked at that um, I definitely trusted you and your research but I had (laughs) to look it up again too because uh, yeah that just didn't seem right Mm -hmm. and then we have the postseason record
0: which is four to four they're currently tied so it'll be interesting obviously it's not going to happen this year in 2021 but it'll be interesting to see when that tie gets broken, you know, yep. in the future, because it, I, you know, that'll be a, a highlight game.
1: Right. And not that uh, the comparisons are great. But you know, in the next few years, we could very much see a Dak Prescott, right? Against oh, yeah. Eric Ron- Aaron Rodgers, sorry, not really up to the standards of Aikman and Rogers, But you know, we've seen Dak ball out. So it definitely can happen. Oh, so. yeah. Uh,
0: a little bit of my favorite here. We have the Cowboys, they have the longest win streak with eight. And no surprise here that came in the 90s. But Another interesting factoid I found here that goes back into your favor is Green Bay is the only team in the NFC that has an overall winning record against the Cowboys.
1: Wow. I thought that was super interesting. And it's only uh, three games over, three games above 500. Yeah, it's
0: not by a lot. And so you talk about all those NFC East teams that, you know, it's always hyper competitive in that division, but yet none of those teams, that's how good the Cowboys have been yeah. for how long
1: right and Jay was talking about earlier we wanted to, to do a a matchup where Aikman was involved in one of his Super Bowl wins well okay you had three to choose from you yeah know what I mean? and <laughs> exactly. they were all in a row so mm-hmm. you know that's why I think Jay did pick the best team to go up against this surprising Packers team
0: yeah and so I went with 92 because Obviously, this was a dynasty, but 92 was the first year that they won one of three Super Bowls. So this was the beginning. You know, they didn't quite hit their full stride. I mean, obviously, they won a Super Bowl, so they hit some kind of stride. This was their
1: first, I guess, the start of their dynasty. So
0: with that let's get into the rosters let's get into the coaches and what it is about these teams that we that, that we do like that do make them special so i'll i'll kick it off here with our 1992 to 93 Dallas Cowboys they had a record of 13 and 3 and that led to them getting first in the NFC East and this is the reemergence of a dynasty and not to mention to boot this was the youngest team in the NFL in 1992 their record just 3 years prior to this followed up by 7-9, and and then 11-5 in 1991, they moved on from the only coach the franchise had ever had up to that point. When the team came under new ownership, Jerry Jones, it was the beginning of many years of success for the Dallas Cowboys with some of the greatest players to ever play in the NFL. So to get into their success a little bit, obviously they won the Super Bowl. They started by winning the divisional playoffs against the fifth-seeded Eagles, who obviously came in second place in the NFC East. They whooped up on them, 34-10. They had to split the regular season record one-to-one. Eagles were one of the three teams to beat them that year. And you're talking about a team that had one of the best defenses in the NFL that year. You had Reggie White, Clyde Simmons, both pro bowl defensive ends. And then you had Randall Cunningham at quarterback, one of the most exciting players in the NFL at that time. We sacked him five times and rushed for 160 yards on the offensive side of the ball. So absolutely dominating performance. Then you have the NFC Championship, first-seeded 49ers. We beat them 30-20. to 20. This was against Steve Young, the NFL MVP, and Jerry Rice. So you have a fantastic 49ers team that we were able to beat that year. And by many, this was considered the real Super Bowl from the best two teams in the NFL. And then, moving on from the NFC Championship game, we have the Super Bowl against the Buffalo Bills. This was the third straight year the Buffalo Bills had made it to the Super Bowl, and it would be the third straight year that they lost the Super Bowl before subsequently losing a fourth time in a row to the Cowboys again next year, so... Rough time for the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, much better, much better today. You know, obviously, we'll see how the playoffs turn out. We're recording this before the playoffs begin, but the Super Bowl was absolutely dominating. They won 52 to 17. They went up against the combined quarterback forces of Jim Kelly and who would you know? Frank Frank Reich. Reich. And looking into this, it was interesting. Like, I knew Frank Reich was a backup quarterback, but I didn't really know much about him. And to see him actually play was pretty cool unfortunately he absolutely got
1: shellacked what did they uh it looks like they must have pulled kelly after a certain amount of interceptions or no he got injured oh he got hurt Mm -hmm.
0: yeah previously in that buffalo bills playoffs the the first game that they played against the houston oilers they were down by 20 or 30 points and kelly got injured and frank reich went in and won that game for them and reich was well known at that time for having led the greatest NFL comeback ever and the greatest college football game comeback ever. He had done he had done both of them and had overcome the greatest amount of odds. And obviously we're not talking about him today, but I would love to chat about Frank Reich at quarterback one of these days
1: when I didn't know that uh, the extent of his career. I mean, obviously him being the head coach of the Colts mm-hmm, before we yep. talked about him uh, right. week one. Yeah. Episode one, I had to look it up, so that's kind of cool for you. You got to learn a little bit about your boy there. Exactly,
0: yeah. You know, uh, it was rough watching that Super Bowl, but <laughs> still got some insights into him uh, as a quarterback. And then you had the Super Bowl MVP. Just a quick shout out to Troy Aikman: two hundred seventy-three yards, four touchdowns, one hundred and forty point seven rating. Absolutely dominating performance, and he did it with ease too. Watching that tape, it was the Bills were incredibly frustrated you know visibly were having a very difficult time like putting forth their best effort at a certain point after your third Super Bowl is starting to look like a, a lost effort Troy Aikman definitely put in some work there he really
1: did when he needed to yeah
0: absolutely he's and I'll definitely be talking about it at some point a great playoff quarterback so definitely something to consider here so that was sort of the results of that 92-93 season. Let me talk about the coaches and the roster here. So we have head coach Jimmy Johnson. He this is their 4th year under Jimmy Johnson. He was previously the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes and previously teammate of Jerry Jones at the University of Arkansas. So that's where, you know, this Cowboys dynasty started way back in Way back on that Arkansas college football team. Wow. He replaced the only other man to coach the Dallas Cowboys, like I mentioned, Tom Landry, after the team was purchased by his old teammate. He would l- later go on to head coach the Miami Dolphins after his tenure with the Cowboys. And then there he would retire and go into broadcasting, where many people know him today, recognize him, and <laughs> just a quick shout out to his one season on Survivor.
1: <laughs> was he really?
0: Absolutely, Jimmy Johnson was on a season of Survivor. He did terribly because everyone was like, "Oh, an NFL head coach, we got to get him out now." Yeah, yeah. He was. The...
1: He'll use his resources. <laughs> exactly. That's a cool little tidbit. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember what season, but I just recently got into Survivor.
0: Oh no, really? <laughs> yeah, and, you know
1: it was a big show uh, growing up when it was live, but I oh, just yeah. was way too interested in sports.
0: And then another notable coaching, we have north Turner would at various points in his career be the head coach of Washington, San Diego, and Oakland. And he was really credited with bringing this offense to life. On his arrival to the team, they were averaging 255 yards per game and 15 points per game, and he turned it around to 318 yards per game and 26 points per game. So you have him nearly doubling that point total and upping that yardage per game by 70, 80 yards, which is absolutely incredible you know difference that 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 you don't get much more definitive than that
1: that right there wins you games right yeah that's pretty impressive from him and then let's get on to the roster let's get on
0: to the stars of the show so I'll, i'll start off with a couple of defensive members here we have ken norton jr outside linebacker. He had 120 combined tackles and two forced fumbles in 1992. Then we have Robert Jones. He had 108 combined tackles. And then James Washington uh, back at full safety with 95 combined tackles and three interceptions for his safety. He's pretty good. And then we have Jim Jeffcoat also on the line with three forced fumbles, 10 and a half sacks. And I will definitely be talking about our number one overall defense more later on in my uh, claim to fame. <laughs> (laughs) so let's get on to the offense all of these names from here on out were pro Bowlers. so we had Nate Newton at offensive guard six-time pro bowler two-time first team all pro we have Mark Stepanowski at center five-time pro bowler then at tight end we have Jay Novacek five-time proler first team all pro the only the only year he ever made first team all pro was this year pulled down 630 yards for six touchdowns that year you know, obviously the nineties the the start of the evolution of the tight end. You know, you start to see these receiving tight ends, you know, sort of for the first time. So definitely, you know, he was part of that wave before, you know, the Tony Gonzalez's and the, you know, Dallas Clarks and definitely. things like that. So Yeah,
1: the every down tight ends who are gonna block and catch the ball, right? Exactly. On to our big three. We've got
0: Michael Irving, five-time Pro Bowler, pulling down 1,396 yards and seven touchdowns in 92. He had a long catch of 87 yards that season. That that's just go, goes to show what a huge threat this man was. He had 17.9 yards per reception, which was good for fourth in the league, and then 87.3 yards per game, which was good for second in the league. So high usage, very long receptions. During the playoffs, he upped that to 96 yards per game with a catch rate of 75%. And just to go to show the longevity of Michael Irving, a career 74.9 yards per game, which is 12th all time so one of the greatest receivers of all time here definitely got to show a lot of respect to michael irving
1: yeah and you see me smiling over here because michael irvin just always did it right i don't know uh growing up watching his highlights i didn't really get to watch many dallas games but watching Mm -hmm. his highlights he was unreal
0: that's the thing watching him on the field you know watching the tape he was a good route runner, too. You know, like he used his big frame to his advantage, you know, so I think that was the biggest thing that I noticed about him is that he was able to get on the inside of the players that he needed to get inside mm-hmm. of or, you know, get get on the outside, make a good move on him. You know, he did. He just did everything right. It seemed like.
1: And use those big hands, track the ball in.
0: Absolutely. Yep. And then at quarterback, the guy throwing it to him, we have Troy Aikman, a six-time pro bowler. This was his fourth season in the league, and he had one heck of a year. He had 3,445 yards, 23 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, but he was able to pull down an 89.5 quarterback rating. And now, one of the most interesting things that I found out about Troy Aikman that I didn't know is that he was known for being a playoff quarterback you know he's the opposite Mm -hmm. of peyton manning you know he he stepped up his game during the playoffs and this year was no different he averaged 265 yards per game he had eight touchdowns and zero interceptions in the 1992 to 1993 playoffs so he was nearly perfect i believe he did have one fumble but other than that He was nearly perfect. He was exactly what his team needed him to be during that playoff run. So Troy Aikman steps up in those big moments when he needs to. And then you have Emmitt Smith, one of the greatest all-time running backs. You can't really go wrong with this guy. He's an eight-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro, 1,713 yards rushing that year, 335 yards receiving, 19 total touchdowns. And I'm going to leave it at that let cam get to his roster here they are the dallas cowboys america's team
1: oh i'm sweating over here jay (laughs) i'm sweating so uh uh, green bay finished with a record of 10 and 6 which was second in the division uh behind the chicago bears kind of the story of the team going into preseason and then the end of the season so the packers were coming off of an 11 and 5 season in 2009 they ended up losing in the wild card round to the Arizona Cardinals. So that hurt the Packers, but also helped them because it helped the Packers secure that first round uh, 23rd pick in which they selected offensive tackle Brian Balaga from Iowa. In 2010, they entered the playoffs as the NFC's sixth seed. Packers then became the second overall team after the 2005 Pittsburgh Steelers to win the Super Bowl as a sixth seed. Not only did they secure the sixth seed, which uh some people would argue it shouldn't have happened, um, they actually said, screw that, we're gonna win the next three, four games and get us a Super Bowl. And they also became the second NFC team to win three straight road playoff games. So, um, like you like I was saying, being the sixth seed, you're getting the, you know, you're getting the last of the bunch, you're getting the short end of the stick, but they made the best of it.
0: Yeah, this is every every fan's dream, right? Oh to, to, to have your team come in as the underdog and win three in a row to make the Super Bowl. Like yeah. that's, that's killer right there.
1: Win three road playoff games and win mm-hmm. the Super
0: Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: So, but that leads me into my point where, you know, the Packers, this team obviously doesn't stack up as well to the Cowboys on paper, but that's perfect for this Packers team because they didn't stack well on paper against anyone, not mm-hmm. even the Chicago Bears, and they end up beating them. So let's get into that. The NFC wildcard playoffs, okay, Packers squeaked in. They get a win against the Philadelphia Eagles, 21-16, so the Eagles were the third seed, and they've got names like Michael Vick, Deshaun Jackson, Shady McCoy, Um, so they've got a pretty star-stunted squad as well. They move on to the NFC divisional playoff game, okay, so this is a big game for them. They're playing the Atlanta Falcons, Matt Ryan, Michael Turner, Roddy White. Falcons were the number one seed, so like I mentioned, if you squeak into the playoffs, yeah, you get a wild card game against a team that's probably close to you, um, skill wise. But then you go into the the playoffs, and you're going to play a top seed. Um, and I just want to throw out there: Michael Turner went to uh, North Chicago High School. He was in my high school's division, oh, which was okay. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So yeah. whenever we would go play North Chicago, uh, Michael Turner was one of the only guys to you know really make it big out of that small small town. So I thought that was kind of cool. That's pretty cool uh rogers in this game was 31 for 36 366 yards and three touchdowns with a 136.8 qbr i didn't mean to chuckle there but that's like that is so aaron Rodgers asked 31 for 36 almost 400 yards matt ryan really did his best here but uh yeah he, he really didn't compare he was 20 for 29 186 yards Two interceptions and one touchdown.
0: I think in hindsight, you know, in twenty twenty one, looking back, it's like, yeah, of course the Falcons messed it up, like, like it, you <laughs> right, know, right. but like at this point, it, we were looking at Matt Ryan, we were looking at this Roddy White, we we're looking at this team, like this offensive juggernaut. It's going to be here for years to come, yeah. And they arguably they were, yeah, they are, yeah. You know, obviously, you know, making it to the Super Bowl against you know the New England Patriots, but just like it, it's like. Of of course, they lost to the six We have to
1: throw that jab at him, right? Mm -hmm. It's like we—if we can find a way to make fun of the Falcons, even ten years ago, I'm doing it. Yeah, poor guys, poor guys. (laughs) So moving on to the NFC Conference Championship game, I remember watching this game. This was only a few years after I came to Illinois from California, so this was like, okay, which way do I go? Do I really like the Bears? Do I like the Packers, or do I stay with the Raiders? And kind of like, you know, a team secretly. And with that being said, I stayed true to the Raiders. Uh, Anyways, the Packers go on to win this game against the Bears 21-14. Green Bay defense knocked Jay Cutler out of the game. And in comes Caleb Haney. So this guy doesn't really play much. Jay Cutler's got his own rap. Kind of a guy that most people think quits on his team. Or if anything, he's just real injury prone, right? Mm -hmm. So this game proved to be no different. Um, Chicago had a great, great lineup, though. You've got Matt Forte, Brian Urlacher, Charles Peanut Tillman, Greg Olson, the greatest return man of all time, Devin Hester. So Chicago seemed to be the better team on paper, much like the 92 Dallas Cowboys. And the Packers, though, had the biggest edge, and that was at quarterback, obviously having Aaron Rodgers going up against Caleb Haney. So Rodgers was 17 for 30 in this game, 244 yards two interceptions, and one rushing touchdown, and he had two interceptions before the rushing touchdown, so this, things were getting a little sketchy during this game, I remember, yeah. Um. and Chicago's players came out, most notably Brian Urlacher, right, nine tackles, he had one sack, and he had one of those two Aaron Rodgers interceptions, and just a little side note, BJ Raji, if anybody remembers, he scored a touchdown, Uh, in this game. Mm -hmm. He's the heaviest player to score a touchdown. Can you guess how much he weighs without looking? I I mean,
0: it's got to be at least 300 plus. I don't know if I want to go 340, 330. Pretty close. Uh,
1: 338 pounds. Mm, Okay. That's a
0: big boy. That's a big boy. (laughs) That's
1: like uh, two Michael Turners, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Two and a half. All right. And then on to the big one, we have Super Bowl. Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers, right? So, You've got the Green Bay Packers winning against the Pittsburgh Steelers, 31-25. to 25. Pittsburgh finished first in the AFC North Division. Uh, they were the two-seed behind the Patriots. That's something that always happened, it seemed like, right? Exactly. Except for this one time here. Uh, Steelers had Big Ben, Heinz Ward, Richard Mendenhall, Emmanuel Sanders, a young Antonio Brown. and Rookie, then, right? Yep, a rookie Antonio Brown. And then you've got... Uh, Two All-Pros in Troy Palomalu and James Harrison. Those were just, I think everybody that grew up when we did can say that those are probably one of their two favorite defensive players. Yeah, Troy Palomalu was great. So great. Just like a a true scholar of the game and just awesome hair, but side note, (laughs) Rodgers in the Super Bowl, 24 for 49, 309 yards, three touchdowns. You know, as pretty rough. (laughs) He had, what what was that, 25 incompletions? Yeah. So he had more incompletions. 50% completion percentage, but... Right. But he had those three touchdowns and didn't turn the ball over. And that obviously proved to be the difference maker. And then you have free safety Nick Collins with a 37-yard interception return for a touchdown. Um, And then in this game, Pittsburgh turned the ball over three times. And who else but Aaron Rodgers for your Super Bowl MVP. Uh, let's go into the coaches here. We've got head coach Mike McCarthy. Uh, He started his NFL coaching career in 93 as an offensive quality control assistant uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs under Marty Schottenheimer. That's just a nice way of saying he was the paper bitch, right? Uh, After two years, he became the QB coach, and he worked with quarterbacks like Rich Gannon and Steve Bono. Rich Gannon, you're still my boy. (laughs) Uh, Schottenheimer resigned after the 08 season, and then that made sense that McCarthy then left too. And then he became the QB coach for green Bay Packers released the entire coaching staff in 1999. Okay. So then that leads McCarthy to his first offensive coordinating position with the new Orleans saints, which he actually did very well. He lasted five seasons and he was selected as the NFC assistant coach in 2000 Hmm. before ultimately coming back to green Bay as the head coach in 2006. Okay. Let's go on to Offensive Coordinator Joe Philbin. He coached various colleges from 1984 to 2002. Uh, He joined Green Bay in 2003 as an assistant offensive line coach before taking the reins as the head offensive line coach in 07. And this is another turning point here, not just for Philbin, but for the Green Bay Packers. The Packers ranked top 10 in points scored and total yards from 2007 to 2011. So not quite Jay's Dallas Cowboys dynasty, but that's very, very good to be top 10 for um, you know, that, what, four years? It's pretty impactful. It's pretty impactful, right? And it makes Packers fans. It makes the owners feel like things are going right and head in the right direction. And then just kind of a fast forward there. He served as the interim head coach in 2018. He was only there for that year. And now he's currently the offensive line coach for the Dallas Cowboys. So just bringing this podcast full yeah, circle bring it again. it full circle, absolutely. Now let's move on to the roster. Okay, we got to start with quarterback Aaron Rodgers. So this is Aaron Rodgers' third year. He's selected to the Pro Bowl uh, in the previous season in two thousand nine, and his numbers were phenomenal. Uh, he passed for four thousand four hundred thirty four yards, thirty touchdowns, and seven interceptions. Uh, In the 2010 season, current season, this is what we're covering. Rodgers dipped down a little bit, okay? 3,922 total yards, 28 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and a 69.2 QBR. I think that's going to be one of Jay's bigger points, too, or maybe not as much, um, is that this isn't the Aaron Rodgers that we know today in, in 2021, right? Mm-hmm, right. Ooh, that felt weird to say. Yeah. 2021. <laughs> 2021. Yeah, um, we're here. But nonetheless, he wins a Super Bowl MVP. Okay. And uh, there were only two seasons in Aaron Rodgers' career where he threw more than eight interceptions. For one, that's unreal. And for two, it was in 2008 when he threw 13 interceptions So that was his first year. And in 2010, where he threw 11. For
0: as many crazy throws as Aaron Rodgers tries to make, having that few interceptions is pretty ridiculous. You know, it definitely makes Brett Favre and his crazy throws and all his interceptions seem
1: ill-advised. Maybe, Yeah, Yeah. ill-advised
0: is a good way to put it. Yeah.
1: Um, But why don't we talk about some of the the impactful players? But we'll start with um, everyday starters that were not. Pro Bowl selections. Okay, so we're going to start with offensive tackle Brian Balaga. Goes without saying, he got drafted, made an immediate impact. Uh, He made it to the all-rookie team. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's move on to wide receiver Donald Driver. This was his 12th NFL season, so well on his way to being a veteran. In this season, he had 51 receptions for 565 yards and four touchdowns. So those numbers are still very respectable considering how much Aaron Rodgers moved the ball around. Mm -hmm. But Donald Driver, I felt like I had to mention his career numbers because his whole career was with Green Bay. 743 total receptions, 10,137 yards, and 61 touchdowns. Donald Driver is very, very loved in the Green Bay community. We'll move on to wide receiver James Jones. So this was his fourth NFL season. Um, And his stats for the year, 50 receptions, 679 yards, and five touchdowns. Uh, We'll move on to Jordy Nelson. Surprisingly, not a, well, not that surprising that he wasn't a pro bowler, but this was his third NFL season. uh, 45 catches on the year, 582 yards, two touchdowns. Moving to the defensive side of the ball just for a second, left inside linebacker A.J. Hawk. Um, But he had 111 combined tackles on the year, which led uh, the team He had three interceptions, one fumble recovery, and four tackles for losses, so very productive year for him, but now on to the guys who really made this team go. These are the Pro Bowlers, okay? Left tackle Chad Clifton. This was his 11th NFL season, so another veteran on the offensive line to kind of help out Brian Bulaga, second Pro Bowl selection of his career, first one being in 2007. Wide receiver Greg Jennings. Uh, This was his fifth season in the NFL. He, at this point, was obviously, um, you know, and it's obvious because if you watch film, he was Aaron Rodgers' go-to guy. Yep. This was uh, his year where he was selected to his first Pro Bowl. He's got two total in his career. So he had one in 2010 and then the year after, 2011. And then for 2010, he racked up 76 receptions, was over the 1,000-yard mark with 1,265 and 12 touchdowns. We've got left outside linebacker Clay Matthews second NFL season uh Pro Bowl first team all pro and he had a great year 13 and a half sacks 18 tackles for loss um, 25 QB hits, one interception and he scored a touchdown so the guy showed his speed a little bit there as well uh no no coincidence here I know why I picked the Packers it was not for Aaron Rodgers it was not to get another. Unfound respect for Aaron Rodgers. It was for my boy, Charles Woodson.
0: Yeah, as soon as I realized, and I really the this shows the lack of depth to my sports history knowledge that I'm trying to correct by being on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I realized that Charles Woodson, Cam's favorite all-time NFL player, was again gonna be on the team that he was representing. I texted him immediately. You tricked me.
1: He did. He did. He's like, now I know why you wanted to pick the Packers and just sent me a gif of Charles Woodson. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that was so good. But Jay, you're right, man. This was Charles Woodson's 13th NFL season, well on his way to a Hall of Fame career. He was, uh, this was his sixth Pro Bowl selection at this time. Um, He was an All-Pro in 99 and 2009 as well. But for the 2010 season, 92 combined tackles, 7 tackles for loss, two interceptions, one touchdown, two forced fumbles. This guy was all over the place.
0: Yeah, for his 13th season in the NFL, and to still put up the numbers that he's putting up at cornerback is
1: ridiculous. Yeah, and that, yeah, like you said, that's at cornerback. That's not a safety, a free safety, where you're sitting back there waiting for the ball. So on to the other side of the defense there, other cornerback, Tremon Williams. This was his fourth NFL season. First and only Pro Bowl selection. It was. It seemed like kind of a fluke in, in his career just because his numbers were not anywhere near this, but, you know, Tremont Williams on the other side of Charles Woodson, that was a, a great duo. Um, and on the year, six interceptions, two fumble recoveries. Let's scoot it back just a little bit. Stay on the defensive uh, side of the ball, though. Free safety, Nick Collins. Sixth NFL season. This was his third consecutive Pro Bowl selection. So you really have Charles Woodson and Nick Collins building this secondary, yeah. but then you've got the likes of Tremont you know, Williams, who are really going to help you out on the back end, and probably a guy that, being only his fourth NFL season, teams tried to pick on him, but Collins and Woodson said, no, not today. Okay, yeah. And then on the year, four interceptions, two fumble recoveries, and then one of those fumble recoveries was ultimately returned for a touchdown. So if you didn't notice already, this might turn out to be a defensive uh, strategy for the Packers against a very offensive minded strategy for the Dallas Cowboys.
0: Yeah, definitely a lot of great players there, specifically on the defense, you know, that I wouldn't I I mean, I guess coming from my experience, you tend to forget about, you know, because I feel like the the quarterbacks are always the big names that you want to talk about. But both of these teams today have excellent defenses and i think you know the packers you know are a bit more playmakers you know you Mm -hmm. had more pro bowl selections as opposed to the cowboys they had zero pro bowl selections but still a great defense nonetheless so it's going to be an interesting conversation so with that i think we should get into our claim to fames for today's episode so you're going to run out onto this field on sunday night leading the packers into the first game of the next century what are you going to feel like Sunday night when you do that? We feel like we are America's team. You know, Other teams have, have kind of taken that mantra
1: from time to time, but um, you know, we're just a, a blue-collar city. Here we go. Start it out. I'm scared.
0: So, yeah, I'll kick things off here, and I told you before, it's here. My first claim to fame is the Hall of Fame running back, one of the greatest of all time, emmett smith you can't i mean there were a lot of different directions i could have taken my claim to fames here but emmett smith you had i had to right yeah, he's a for sure so just to talk a little bit about the man himself the cowboy selected smith in the first round of the 1990 nfl draft so he was part of that rebuild so he was only a couple seasons into the nfl Over his career, he rushed for 18,355 yards, breaking the record formerly held by Walter Payton. He also holds the record for career rushing touchdowns with 164. Smith is also one of only two non-kickers in NFL history to score more than 1,000 career points. This man is a workhorse. He is the definition, he is the gold standard of put the team on his back at any given moment. To get into why Emmitt Smith is going to be the reason that we take down the 2010 Packers today is Jimmy Johnson has an interesting stat with Emmitt Smith. He had a record of 24-1 and when running back Emmitt Smith ran for 100 yards or more in a regular season game and 5-0 and in the postseason, winning two Super Bowls. So whenever Emmitt Smith goes over that century mark, it's nearly a guaranteed yeah, win.
1: Yeah, they get a dub.
0: And... You want to know what Emmitt Smith did a lot of? Go over 100 yards because he was an absolute monster. He averaged 107.1 yards per game and 112 yards per game in the playoffs. And just to add a little bit to my point here, Green Bay allowed 114 rushing yards per game at 18th in the league. Green Bay ranked sixth in opponent rushing attempts. Green Bay was a pass-heavy team and forced teams to play catch-up, but the Cowboys are not going to play that game. They are going to get their rushing attempts in. You know, Green Bay was able to limit a lot of rushing attempts. You know, they forced a lot of teams to play catch-up because they are a high-scoring team. Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball, having over 3,500, 3,900 yards almost on the season. But the Cowboys are a totally different beast. They are going to force the Packers to play their game where Emmett Smith is going to get his due. So you could say, you know, maybe less rushing attempts because of the Packers' stats here, but I'm going to give it to the Cowboys, give it to Emmett Smith to get his. And in the 1992 season, the Cowboys had 4.59 yards per attempt out of 373 attempts. As a team, they only lost nine fumbles all season, which was second in the league they were fourth in 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 yardage at 5606 and that's total yardage obviously not just rushing but regardless an extremely high powered offense you know just goes to show the massive amount of output that this Cowboys team put together and one last stat that i think is prevalent to this conversation today and it, it kind of goes into, you know, why, why why not throw Troy Aikman? Why not, you know, have the, the big three as the sort of the, the claim to fame here? And I think it's because from, from this stat that I was able to find. So from 1991 through 96, so that's obviously a, a longer span of time than what we're talking about today, but it's emblematic of the 92 Cowboys. The league rankings of percentage of plays in which the Cowboys threw the ball by quarter. So this is their ranking for how often you know they were throwing the ball by quarter. So in the first quarter, they were 15th. Middle of the league makes sense. You have Troy Aikman. He's gonna he's a good passer. But then it drops to 25th in the second quarter. 29th in the third quarter and then in the fourth quarter they had the least amount of passing attempts in the entire league during that cowboys dynasty so you would think you know a team that's that great is going to be capable of making comebacks they did not need to because of emmett smith he single-handed i'm sorry not single-handedly he had a great offensive line two pro bowlers sure. in 92 he had and he had that line for most of his, you know, most of his time mm-hmm. with the Cowboys. So I definitely give them credit there. But I think that was part of what made Aikman and Irvin as great. You know, obviously I think they were gonna be great no matter what. Yeah. But I think that took them to the next level, being able to be so much more free with Emmett Smith on their exactly. team. Exactly. So not only do I think Emmett Smith one of the greatest of all time, one of the best reasons that we're going to win the game today, but the fact that he amplifies the rest of that 90, 1992 Cowboys so much.
1: You don't really, you you run the ball to establish the run, right? But you also run the ball to throw the defense off and set up the pass. So the fact that Emmett Smith, you said, oh, he kind of did it all by himself. Well, he kind of really did. The offensive line was great, but Emmett Smith made those plays. Emmett Smith, was rushing for over 100 yards a game, making it to where Aikman didn't have to throw the ball 40 yard or 40 times a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll get into that later because that's also was that more of we don't want Aikman throwing the ball in the second half of the game because he had quite a few turnovers, or is it like Jay said because the team is always winning, why throw the ball in anyway? Mm -hmm. And I think it's mostly the latter of what I was just saying, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to have to argue that it's because Aikman kind of turns the ball over, but let me do my best bet here or my best, um, rebuttal. So it's hard to, to stuff Emmett Smith at the line, but for my claim to fame, the stout Green Bay Packers defense might have something to say about that. Okay. So they ranked fifth in total yards allowed per game. They ranked second in opponents points allowed per game with 15 teams were barely scoring two touchdowns against these guys, okay? They allowed the second fewest total points scored in the NFL total throughout the season with 240. And surprise, surprise, the only other team that did better than them was the Steelers with 232 fewest points scored, and that's who they saw in the Super Bowl. Teams only scored 21 or more points in four out of the 16 games against Green Bay. So, yeah, Jay is right. Green Bay had... Uh, what did he say here? Green Bay allowed 114 rush yards per game. That's not great. And Emmett Smith can do that any day of the week, but they're not giving up touchdowns. Okay. So that's a great part for them too. 32 total takeaways by Green Bay. That was sixth in the NFL. Anytime you could be top ten in that category, that means you're winning games. Your turnover margin is much higher. Charles Woodson, my boy, tied fourth in force. Oh, I think I said he had two earlier, but he had five. I'm sorry, Charles Woodson had five forced fumbles. And Green Bay, like I said, they don't give up many rushing touchdowns or touchdowns in general. They only gave up six total on the year. So that was second in the NFL. That's BJ Raji. That's Clay Matthews. That's AJ Hawk getting to the ball and making sure that those runners, um, you know, their legs are wrapped up and they're going for the ball at the same time. That's what good, defensives, good defenses do. Another point here, Green Bay never lost a game by more than four points. And they never trailed by more than seven, the entire season. So a ten and six team, who people kind of wrote off as a six seed, they did not play as a six seed all year. They were they were a great team, and the team the games that they lost were by very few points. Um, and then just my my biggest point here that I think this stout Green Bay defense, beside the stats, can really affect Emmett Smith in that run game. Green Bay can afford to blitz A.J. Hawk and Clay Matthews, and they will because of their strong secondary of tacklers, okay, and playmakers. I already named them Woodson, Tremont Williams, and Nick Collins are all great great players, but they can make tackles and make plays, okay, and with that, this enables them to stuff Emmett Smith at the line of scrimmage as much as possible, as well as force Aikman to make mistakes because we know that Aikman does make mistakes. And just to add to the fact that Dallas really doesn't throw the ball all that often, and why would you if you have Emmett Smith? But this just cements the fact that if you have Green Bay blitzing like they normally do or normally did in 2010, it's going to be hard for Emmett Smith to break through the line. And that ball that Troy Aikman throws more often than not might end up in the hands of one of those DBs I just mentioned. That that is
0: gonna be the thing that I would worry the most about with the Green Bay defense is their ability to take the ball away to be able to to be able to make plays. That's definitely something that concerns me. I don't think I don't think anyone's coughing up the ball in this game. You have incredible ball security with the Dallas Cowboys, but you know the the there is the possibility that they could force an interception they did it in the super bowl against big ben and the only other thing that i'll say is obviously the green green bay and the steelers both had the least amount of points scored in the nfl that year but that's not exactly how the super bowl went either though right you know the super bowl is a pretty high scoring game for them and so i could see you know uh, A similar thing happening here where you end up with a higher scoring game between these two teams.
1: Right. And then to a small counter, you're saying that Aikman thrives in the playoffs, right? Yep. So these numbers are great numbers for regular season. And I mentioned some playoff numbers, but everything changes in the playoffs. Exactly. You're way more in tune. Maybe you change your defensive strategies a little bit more. So I I definitely thought about that, too. Mm -hmm.
0: So you talked about your defense. I'll get into my second claim to fame here, which is also my defense we have the number 1 overall defense of the NFL in 1992 which shocked me to learn I and mean, we've mentioned before but it was it was surprising and then to hear this team had no pro bowlers this this defense had no pro bowlers but yeah we're still number 1 overall and granted you know, maybe some of these guys should have been on the pro bowl you know they they had you know, very uh very very good years, but they just didn't quite have those turnover numbers that a lot of the Packers did. They were just very stout. You know, they were very consistent. Now let's go over some of these numbers. So this defense allowed 246 yards per game, first in the NFL. They allowed 15 first downs per game, also first in the NFL. Allowed 78 rushing yards per game, first in the NFL, allowed 3.6 yards poorer rushing attempt third in the NFL, allowed 168 passing yards per game, which was good for fifth, allowed 5.1 net yards per passing attempt, which was fourth. They allowed 15.2 points per game, fifth in the NFL, And just to point out the difference, they were second in the NFL in points scored per game at 25.6, making a point differential of 10.4 points per game. So you have the offense being able to capitalize on the defense's skills here. They were 17th in the league on interceptions and 18th in turnovers. So pretty close to middle of the pack there for turnovers. So like I said, They just didn't get those flashy stats, but they were able to hold teams when they needed to. It was sort of that bend, don't break sort of defense, you know, where they did exactly what they needed to in any given situation. And then they stepped up in the playoffs, you know, like I mentioned against the, obviously the Buffalo Bills causing a huge amount of turnovers. I think it was a total of eight turnovers in that game, Seven Seven, seven coming from Jim Kelly and Frank Reich. And now... I bring this to the table just as sort of to show how good these players actually were. So obviously no pro bowlers no all pro players in 1992 but they had an plus 11 in turnover differential plus 13 in playoffs so you're talking about you know plus 11 over the course of 16 games but then plus 13 over the course of three games so that's a pretty stark difference um and then i i throw this out here every defensive starter in 1992 played more than eight seasons in the nfl and i'm looking at these guys career histories you know not all with the Cowboys you know a lot of them left the Cowboys you know after they you know stop stop winning Super Bowls you know they they but they were well sought after assets you know so these guys had long careers they they played in the NFL for a long time and every every single one of these starters went to a Pro Bowl at some point whether most there was most of them made about three four some made five Pro Bowls during their career But, you know, every single one of them at least once, even if it wasn't this 1992 season, made a Pro Bowl. So you're talking about players, you know, that maybe weren't their greatest this year. You know, you have the start of the dynasty. You have 1992. They are on their way there. And so, you know, maybe that doesn't quite help my argument as much as, you know, Emmett Smith does and his, you know, amazing career. But, you know, Combined, these men made a fantastic defensive unit. They were the truest sense of a, the entire package.
1: Well, I think that's super important. Um, you know, you definitely want a team like the 2010 Green Bay Packers, where you have Clay Matthews, who had his best year of his career. Mm-hmm. You have Charles Woodson. You've got uh, Tremont Williams. You have these guys, Nick Collins, but they weren't first in points allowed per game they weren't first in first downs per game mm-hmm. so that that's just attesting to how great of a team that this Dallas Cowboys team was and how great of a coach Johnson was right yeah absolutely he, yeah he put schemes together and it's pretty easy to put together a scheme when you've got every single defensive player has played eight seasons or more, mm-hmm, yeah. So you, they, they you, know their jobs exactly. You got
0: some great experience there, and I, I also want to point out how it's, it's our last episode was obviously NBA, but you were the one spouting team defense and team yep. offense as a cohesive unit. Yep. And now you're the one calling calling out your fantastic stars. They're going to be making plays. And last week it was me with (laughs) with with the big names with with Charles Barkley out there. So it's just interesting how, you know, just in these little ways, the tables are always going to be turning. Definitely.
1: (laughs) And that's one uh, just based on the different sports. And then that's two, just based on, hey, we gotta win this argument, right? Or I, I yeah, gotta win this argument. Exactly, yeah. Um, but for that overall defense, it's gonna be tough to beat. But I do think I have something that could maybe break this bend, but do not break defense. And that's gonna be the four headed wide receiver dragon in Green Bay, known as Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson, and James Jones. Those are four stout wide receivers that have the ability to catch any ball their way. And in some, in some formations, some aspects, you could see all four of these guys on the field at once. You could. It didn't happen a lot. Normally you saw Jennings, Driver, and Jordy. Or you saw Jordy, Jones, and Jennings. So a combination of them. But um, either way, it's going to be hard to stop four great wide receivers. So let's get into that. These four wide receivers were responsible for 23 of 28 total touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers, So that's already saying a lot, right? Um, He had a lot of weapons. He still had James starts coming out of the backfield. He had your Michael Finley, who we talked about before the, the, before the podcast, should we put Finley in? He only played five games. He did have a touchdown. So um, he was very much a part of the team, but not as much as these four guys. So to make up, what 80% of the touchdowns that says something Jennings Jordy and James Jones all recorded two touchdowns in the playoffs in 2010 that was tied second in the NFL Mm -hmm. individually not all together so two touchdowns was second in the NFL and three of them had two touchdowns so uh, let's start with Greg Jennings right um you hear me talk about him being the option a right option 1a for Aaron Rodgers okay Uh, 2010 season, I mentioned 76 catches, 1,265 yards, 12 touchdowns. He recorded over 1,000 yards in each of his previous two seasons. So in 2009, he recorded 1,113, and in 2008, 1,292. Okay, so uh, Greg Jennings definitely knows how to catch the ball, get open. He had 303 total yards in the playoffs, by the way, accumulated in, is that three games? Four games? Mm-hmm. which was first in the NFL. No surprise there. Uh, let's move on to Donald Driver. I won't go over the 2010 stats. I already did that for you, but he was a three-time Pro Bowler all before this 2010 season. So 2002, 2006, and 2007. So he definitely gets the ball. Um, those were definitely in his earlier years. Uh, 2010 was coming to his end to the end of his career. Plus, it's hard to get to that number when you've got uh, James Jones, Jordy, and Greg Jennings. James Jones, I really I don't I don't want to shit on him, but you know, he he was great, but he wasn't as great as the other three options. Mm-hmm. James Jones had 5 touchdowns on the year, still 50 receptions, he was getting the ball, but I think James Jones made it to where okay, maybe you can double up Greg Jennings, but then you have to go man on driver Jordy. That leaves James Jones open in some area. More often than not, which is why he really fit into this wide receiver, uh, four headed dragon here. And then we'll end with, uh, Jordy Nelson started to really, really build a connection with Rodgers during this time. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Jordy's Jersey was the most sold Jersey in Green Bay. People just loved him. He was, he was kind of like the Brett Favre of a wide receivers, right? Like a country boy wore his Wrangler jeans, but you know, they really started to build a connection here. The Jordy's receptions went up from 22 in 2009 to 45 this season, so um, up 23 receptions. He had a 70.3 catch percentage. So when Rogers throws the ball to him, he's catching the ball 70.3 percent of the time, which is that builds confidence. Rogers is gonna love that. He does love that. Um, and then Jordy set the Packers record for receiving yards in a Super Bowl with 140. So that just goes on to show it wasn't just the regular season that these guys were killing it, right? He sets the Packers' receiving yard record with 140 in the Super Bowl against a very good Steelers secondary, I might add. So although your defense is very stout, they don't allow many yards per game. I just think it's going to be really hard for them to lock into four different receivers with Rodgers being in the zone like that, like he was.
0: Yeah, I think, th- th- I think the biggest thing that just quickly i'll say to that before we move on is granted you've got fantastic wide receivers and you have a running back coming into his own in the playoffs so he's definitely going to be a factor in this game but i just can't see the green bay that i don't think they're going to be able to break off a big play i don't think you know and and none of your stats indicate the 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 long play making ability of uh of this packers team right and I think that goes to show, you know, you at strong safety, you have Darren Woodson back for the Cowboys, and at full safety, you have James Washington. So both very good players. They are two of the players made multiple Pro Bowls during their careers, you know, yeah. just not in the 92 season. They, they are going to be locking down. So Packers are going to get their points for mm-hmm. sure, you know, but they are going to have to fight for every
1: single yard. I, and I, I totally believe that. Um, and that's why I think I didn't really get to mention him too much. But you saw earlier on in the show I mentioned James Starks. Mm-hmm. He rushed twenty three times. Was that in the Super Bowl? Um, so he definitely he he gets the ball. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know what else to say. That I'm sure by this point, especially coming to the end of the season, teams knew it was Greg Jennings, Jordy, and James Jones, and then as well as Donald Driver, but at some point maybe you bring more pressure to Aaron Rodgers they're they're going to change the way that they look at that team so I think that's why James Stark will come into that I don't think he's an x-factor or anything like that I truly do believe it's just going to be these four wide receivers absolutely so let's get into
0: those x-factors though let's
1: do it back to throw this Aikman
0: on first down he throws inside the five touchdown another check. Touchdown, another check. So this is a name that I haven't talked about much at all, but I'm going to focus in on a single player here. We have Jay Novacek, the tight end. And I sort of mentioned him. He's sort of becoming, you know, the modern tight end that we see today. You know, he was able to block. He's an every down tight end, but he was able, also able to catch the ball. He's also able to make big plays. Now, Jay Novacek was tough to cover. Specifically, I think he was tough to cover because he had Michael Irvin on the same team, you know? So Michael Irvin demanded a lot of attention from the defensive unit, so it had to leave somebody else open. Right. And Jay Novacek was always the release. Watching the tape, he was always the guy that was going to get that dip and dunk play, you know, and make the, the defense pay for overcovering Michael Irvin. And this guy is going to be able to stretch the defense, and I think he's going to have a big game here today. Uh, the man is six four; he's taller than every linebacker on the Packers team, not by much, yeah. granted. But I just want to throw it out there. That's you know, a mismatch. He's got some reach, uh-huh. and in the Super Bowl, he had seven receptions for seventy-two yards, one touchdown on ten targets. So in the big game where the Bills were trying to do everything to stop Michael Irving, stop those big plays. Novacek was the guy, you know, he was the one that was going to get targeted a lot and he came through most of the time. And I also want to throw this last stat out there, why I think Novacek is going to have a big game. In every single one of the Green Bay losses, they averaged giving up 54.3 yards per game and a touchdown to tight ends in those losses and so you have consistency there when the Packers lose the opposing tight ends tend to have a big game and you're talking about when they played the Falcons earlier in that season they did lose to them Mm -hmm. and against
1: a great tight end
0: against a great tight end named Tony Gonzalez one Mm -hmm. of the greatest of all time is Jay Novacek one of the greatest of all time no but I'd put him in the top 25 top 30 tight ends of all time so I think he's able to and I think he will take advantage of that defense
1: yeah that's a I think that was a nice little uh, point you put in there that he was taller than all the linebackers because obviously with Michael Irvin on your team with Emmett Smith on your team who can clearly you know, you didn't cover it too much but it goes without saying he can catch balls out of the backfield um, Jane Novacek is gonna be manned up with a linebacker so mm-hmm. that makes sense um, my only rebuttal there is do you know off the top of your head Novacek where he was in his career? Is it kind of the tail end of it? You know, a little bit older because this is Clay Matthew. Uh, Clay Matthews. This is his second year.
0: This was Jay Novacek's seventh or sixth year in the in the league, I believe. So that's the,
1: still not on the tail end, like I was hoping.
0: Right? Yeah that that that's prime. You know that yeah. that you know he's got some experience underneath his belt, and that's the other thing. Like. Clay Matthews and A.J. Hawk, I think, uh, more specifically, Clay Matthews was known as a rushing linebacker. Right. You know, He was that fourth guy going in for yep. the, you, you know, you saw how many sacks he had. So as much as I like Clay Matthews, I just don't give him quite the credit to cover a guy like Novacek.
1: Right. But let's not forget, Clay Matthews was a pro bowler and first team All-Pro selection. He was fourth in sacks that year with 13 and a half, and then he was tied third in tackles for loss with 18. So top five in both of those categories, and I'd be willing to bet, um, I can maybe pull it up for you a little bit later, that the top three in sacks and the top two in tackles for loss were most likely defensive linemen, not linebackers. But just the way that they blitz Clay Matthews, who knows? I think that we would have to man him up against Jay Novacek. He's not a fast guy, but Jay said he gets the ball, which he does, uh, and he's a big guy. But maybe... Novacek won't even get a chance to get the ball if the Packers do what I think they will, which is bring the house almost every time. Clay Matthews, three and a half sacks in the playoffs, which is a postseason franchise record uh, that was three and a half for the 2010 season, was third in the NFL in the playoffs, but it was first in the NFC. Yeah, it's hard to say I would take Clay Matthews one-on-one against Novacek. But if Novacek's blocking Clay Matthews, I'm taking Matthews on that one.
0: And the only thing I'll say in counter to that, which I definitely, I respect Clay Matthews as your X factor, definitely a guy to look out for. But the other thing with being a 90s team, you know, maybe Novacek isn't the modern tight end quite yet, but... That means we've got a pretty good fullback on our team. Okay. I haven't mentioned the name yet, but we've got Daryl Johnston. He was he's at the very least gonna be able to slow I think he's gonna be the guy okay. that that at least tries to slow down Clay Matthews sure. every time.
1: And I you know, I would like to see that battle because for a long time there, especially uh, what 2009 to 2012, Clay Matthews was probably going to beat anybody you put in front of him.
0: Mm-hmm. He was yeah. just so
1: fast. Uh, he kind of fell off a little bit there at the end, but that's a good counterpoint. Bringing in your fullback, that's a great counterpoint.
0: So now that we've chatted about our X factors, let's talk about what we're actually going to see in the game. Let's get into predictions and let's get into our final scores. And in motion and sits in tight on the right side. Three wide receivers. And Cutler's going to go down. Barry.
1: Clay Matthews, the first one there. I'm going to start with Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so uh, everybody remember, I know we're in 2021 right now. Aaron Rodgers is about to win the MVP, or at least he should. But this was year three Aaron Rodgers. He's not throwing the ball 40 times, you know, like he, like he has in the past. He didn't throw for 50 touchdowns. But I think Aaron Rodgers is going to do just enough to put himself over the hump here. So Rodgers, stat line 22 for 33 for 295 yards, two touchdowns. And I had to, to add one interception in there only because this was a one of his more interception heavy years.
0: I definitely appreciate the interception respecting the defense. Mad love. I will show you no such respect. (laughs) Troy Aikman. I'm going to go 24 for 30. So I think, you know, a few less passes than Roger, but given what we know about the Cowboys, that makes sense and a little bit more efficient. I'm going to give him less yards at 275 yards and two touchdowns, but I think he remains clean on the turnover side of things. I think this goes with his playoff numbers you know nearly perfect in the playoffs and i think that's what he's going to be here and he's going to be not he's not going to take over the game that's going to be emmett smith's job
1: right and i you know i like that you mentioned the playoff numbers right because if they do play it's going to be in the playoffs exactly that's
0: i think that i don't know if we've directly said it yet on the show but i guess i always assume i think the reason we bring up these playoff numbers it came into effect a lot last episode yep is because we're assuming this is a playoff environment. These teams are going to be giving it their all. They're going to be at their sharpest.
1: Yep, at their sharpest. Um, Obviously, neutral, neutral playing field. We've mentioned that before. No injuries. You know, everything goes right. How will this matchup go? And Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you brought that up, you know, because my counter to that, I don't want to add too many counters. We're almost done with the show. But Aikman did throw 14 interceptions. So for you to say that he won't even throw one against a defense that was sixth in takeaways, Mm -hmm. it hurts, (laughs) but it's not impossible. So then I'll go on to my next point here, which is Greg Jennings. It had to be Greg Jennings. For me, it was between Greg Jennings and Jordy Mm -hmm. and then James Stark, since he did so well in the playoffs, he He kind of showed that he could play with the big boys. Um, But I'm going to go with Greg Jennings, six catches on seven targets, 90 yards and a touchdown. So that's a very Greg Greg Jennings game. Those seven targets, obviously Rodgers is going to have 22 completions, but those seven only accounts for you know about a quarter of that or a third of that. Which so, makes sense. Which makes sense.
0: So Emmett Smith, and I don't think this is too surprising, 26 carries, 130 yards, two touchdowns. So I think he's going to have a heck of a game. That 26 carries on 130 yards, obviously that's quite the, the, it can be quite the workload, but I think that matches his average. I think they're going to rely on him heavily this game, and I think he's going to be able to make some plays, get out on the open field. I don't think he ever, you know, breaks a huge one off though. So I, I definitely give him credit to close in and contain him, but not stop him from moving the chains right every single time.
1: And looking at his numbers, I'm looking at him right now. I mean, he had, I was trying to just nitpick, like 26 carries, really? He's had, <laughs> he had plenty of games where he, he surpassed that. Absolutely. And yeah. uh yeah, I was just going to, I guess I'll say it. 26 carries, he did that so many times. The guy never got hurt either.
0: No. He that, was a beast. That's the thing, you know, and it, maybe, maybe, I'm sure it's partially, who Emmett Smith was, and also just a little bit of luck thrown in there, you know that yeah. he he never really missed a lot of time. You know he was a workhorse. I I'll mention this, but it's super dangerous actually. Watching him play against the Philadelphia Eagles in the '92 season, he was walking out on the field stumbling. He like he like was practically delirious. Uh huh. He probably he was, got his uh, head knocked around he, a little bit, right? He. I wanted to say in that game, he had 30 of the 35 carries. Oh my God. He was out there pushing himself to the absolute limit. Yep. And so this guy is an absolute warrior. And I mean, I didn't like looking back from a 2021 perspective. I'm like, and the announcers, even in 1992, were like, he needs to get off the field. Yeah, now. Yeah, if, and, if he doesn't, if he's not
1: going to be <laughs> tired, he's going to die. Exactly. You know.
0: So he he was close to passing out, but like this man is going to give it his all, and I think he's going to do that against an NFC rivalry. Going 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 in this weird time machine, going to the future, uh-huh. looking at you know the future of the Green Bay Packers. He's going to take him down.
1: Um, what about your wild prediction? Do you have one?
0: My wild prediction. And this is definitely wild. I I, I will give you that. I think the Cowboys, they win this game and they win it on the turnovers. They win the turnover differential by plus four. Okay. Which...
1: Yeah, that's wild. It's wild.
0: I think it's definitely a possibility, though. I think if you know, I, I it would, it would be easy. Like it, it's kind of ridiculous to say, I think it would be easy to say Emmett Smith gets 200 yards and that's my wild prediction, <laughs> yeah.
1: which is like, I would kind of still be like, is that yeah. That crazy?
0: <laughs> and so I think, I, I think that's the way that they are going to win this game by playing a clean game. And then by making plays on the other side of the ball.
1: Okay. See, I, I like that. I mean the, the turnover differential, you know, you're saying, and maybe they're not all Rogers, but you're definitely, inferring that Rodgers is going to throw multiple interceptions
0: yeah and I watched them multiple times during the playoffs make plays on kickoffs as well you know there were there were several times where they met the kickoff returner at the point of contact and so the way I see it breaking down is we have a special teams turnover we have a, a forced fumble maybe two forced fumbles and you can kind of interchange that either two forced fumbles or two interceptions or getting to that to that four total
1: my my wild prediction when i put it down in our uh, our google drive here and, and jay texts me and goes that's not that wild but then we were like actually it is so my wild prediction is that the packers hold emmett smith to under 90 yards rushing um and it's you're wondering well other than the fact that he's a hall of famer why is that wild well it's wild because emmett smith is averaging 107 yards per car- or 107 yards per game Uh, Close to five yards per carry. And I'm going to go through his numbers really quick or his game logs. He had one, two, three, four, five, six, only seven of the 16 games he was held under 100 yards. And two of those seven, he was at 99 and 95. Yeah. So So basically five, six games, he was under 90 yards. It didn't happen a lot. But with the way I think the Packers are going to have to attack this game is blitz the hell out of Emmett Smith and Troy Aikman. So I think that the Packers can hold Emmett Smith to under 90 yards. And what was the stat you said earlier? Jimmy Johnson was, was it 24 and one? 24, 25
0: and one. 24,
1: 25 and one in games where Smith rushes for 100 yards or more. So that's perfect. Packers keep Smith under 90 yards. They win the game. <laughs> yep, because it's easy. Jimmy it's Johnson. Easy.
0: I'm sure if I looked in his record, would be so much worse.
1: <laughs> hey, that's what I'm doing, Jay, and I'm sticking to it. Final so, score.
0: Shout out to to my dad, a li- lifelong Washington football team. Much to his chagrin, did not enjoy the fact when I told him I'd be representing the '92 <laughs> Cowboys whatsoever. Um, but shout out to him. I am going to have to go with the Cowboys here. I'm going to go Cowboys 31, Packers 20. The Cowboys are going to be second to last to hold the ball. They're going to get the ball with five, maybe six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Emmett Smith is just going to drag this team down the length of the field for that field goal to put them up by 11 points. And then I think the defense is going to come through on the other side with less than a minute left to go to stop Green Bay from getting from getting any momentum on the other side.
1: Okay. I like that. Oh, I didn't even mention, did we go over a highlight play? I skipped right over that. Well, the highlight play really falls into both of our scores here. So, sorry about that, guys. We'll go back into that. Um, My highlight play, obviously, is my favorite player, but I think it's a very realistic option that could happen. Charles Woodson, uh, interception and run back to the house for a 40-yard touchdown. I think uh, stuffing Emmitt Smith at the line like I think the Packers can do will Mm -hmm. force Aikman to throw the ball more. Uh, He did have 14 interceptions that season, so he's – more than capable of turning the ball over. And I think Charles Woodson would make him pay.
0: I definitely think that's a, a that's a pretty bold, pretty bold one. Mm-hmm. A, a guy I haven't given a lot of love to, Michael Irvin. I think you're gonna see it early in the fourth quarter. There's gonna come a big third down that the Cowboys absolutely have to complete to be able to put this game away. You know, this is gonna be the one the total is going to be within a score, and this is where I think the Cowboys get their last touchdown of the game on one last drive, and I think Michael Irvin gets at least a 30, not not at least, I'm going to say a 30 or 40-yard strike on a long third down. So you're looking okay. at third and 15, even third and 20, and I think the Cowboys, that's where they make it happen. Okay. You know, you're going to be always the defense is going to be wiped after covering Emmett Smith who's already going to have 100 yards at this point and then I think that's where Irvin comes in that's where he gets his due
1: okay and that's not obviously that wasn't in our wild prediction category because Michael Irvin scoring on a 35-yard touchdown isn't crazy no but Jake you know extending that it's going to go when it's on third and long and you know they really need to score to put the game away I like that That's a you know that's a a good idea and I think it could happen. Uh I'm gonna go with uh the Packers winning the game twenty-four to twenty-one. So a little bit closer than your thirty-one to twenty Cowboys victory. I just think that at this time Rodgers and Aikman still aren't on the same level, but McCarthy thinks Rodgers is. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna treat him as so. Rogers is gonna get his. I already mentioned two touchdowns, maybe an interception, but that Charles Woodson Charles Woodson interception and run back is gonna put uh, the Packers on top, and I think, I think that'll be the only touchdown scored in the in the game, obviously only scoring 24 points, but they're going to do just enough to stop them. Cowboys are going to come down on that last drive, like Jay said, on third and long, but I think this time the Packers will stop them. Clay Matthews gets the last sack on third and long, and uh, fourth down is just a prayer that Aikman has to throw, and uh, that's just not enough. Packers are going to win this one 24-21. Yeah,
0: I I can respect that. I think both of ours go into each of our teams. You know, the Packers getting that win in whatever way they can. Roger's really coming into his own Mine, Cowboys putting teams away. No drama there. You know, like, obviously, it's a big game, but they're not going to be messing around. They thrive
1: in big games. mm -hmm,
0: Yeah. And because it's still a big game, but it's just it's business as usual for the 92 Cowboys. Okay. So I think I think that sums up the game for us today, eh?
1: Yeah, that's all we got for you guys today. That was episode three of the Ultimate Sports Mashup. As always, two historic sports teams came into battle, but only one left as the Ultimate Champion. If you want to travel back through the sports continuum to help us create some of the best what-if sports mashups of all time, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're going to head to at Ultimate Sports Mashup. That's on on every single social. So just... Hit that search function on your favorite social media. You'll definitely find us. And I think that's a great way to get in contact with us if there's something that you think we can improve on. Obviously, we are just getting started on this adventure. There's a lot of different ways that we can take this. This is just, you know, between our two brains where we thought we should go. So if you've got an idea, throw it out there. We would love to hear it. And especially if you have an idea about a matchup. So yeah, just let us know what you want to hear from us. And, you know, we're going to be all over it. We'd be happy to give you a shout out on the show too. So that finished things up for us today. Until the next sport and the next decade, I've been Jay. And I'm Cameron. Thank you so much for joining us.